This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, I guess, is my new colleague, co-host, and cohort, Dougie Doug. Doug, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, all you mutant mutant goons out there. Ooh, got to watch my uh, swerving there. But yeah, hope you guys are all having a great night. It's good to be back on here. I love it. Dude, I'm so excited to have you. So you actually helped keep this show alive, you know. For those of you who've been keeping track of the regular old slashers, you know, I had a kid and I lost a co-host and I had, you know, the, this thing called the apocalypse going on. And I really have just always wanted to cut this show down to like, what is awesome, right? And to me, it's, I love learning. I love getting new things. I love doing that stuff. And, you know, we had just had conversations about everything and it got down to the point where I'm like, what I want to do is be able to introduce people to new media and not alienate an audience. And so this is a pilot episode for a new version of the show. I hope you like it. Please keep us informed if you do. So let's just kind of get on into it. Doug, how you doing lately? What have you been keeping busy with? Well, uh, I mean, it's been pretty crazy out in the real world right now. My day job has gotten crazier because uh, I, I like to say corporate greed has come down. So there's going to be a lot of changes with that. But besides work life here, I just recently get a hosting gig on B-Movie TV, which is a free channel on Roku. So I'm on uh, I'm on that channel Friday nights at 8 p.m. And I do Friday Night Action. So we do a lot of lost 70s and 80s movies, um, ones that have been kind of lost to vhs but there's some good good ones on there too lesbian avocado jungle girls and the avocado jungle <laughs> that uh, was one yes of them. i want yeah. that every day of my life yeah and uh yeah this new one that's airing uh friday th- this friday here i know this is probably gonna be a delayed episode here but uh, money movers so that was a really good australian uh kind of a crime film noir but uh, if, if you like the killer from Terror Train, the bad guys in this one wear the same grouch or Mark's mask. But I do little skits in between. So it's like an Elvira intro and outro. And uh, the, the channel is great. It's got a lot of great sleaze. So very low budget go- goodies on there. So if you're into, you know, very cheap, cheapy sleaze, like late night public access type stuff, B-Movie TV is the channel to go to. And it's only on Roku for right now. Which is awesome. You and I have talked about this extensively, like between all of the streaming media. I think you and I are both like hardcore two Tubi guys compared to everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tubi's great because Tubi, it's free, but you get some ads uh, that you have to watch in between. But it's like the same thing you're watching it like if you were to watch it on cable, and yet you pay for cable too, yet you're still getting ads. So it's great. I think it's a little bit better than Shudder. Shudder's great too, but Tubi's got some real uh, umdingers on there, some real ones that are uh, VHS and then a lot of Severin and a lot of Vinegar Syndrome titles are on there too. Exactly. And so having the Roku with the same kind of situation, I think, is a pretty ideal way to spread your wings for i mean what your startup cost is 20 bucks forever you know no subscriptions mm-hmm. ever i mean fuck dude my shutter is three times that for the year so and that's with like a built-in discount so whatever uh this is fun you and i were talking about this before we got on the air and i figured it was absurd enough of a situation to bring up my birthday was recently my buddy forgot that it was my birthday so i was telling him about my topic that i'm going to be introducing later and it's a video game and i was like oh yeah you you should play this and he goes well i don't know how i don't have the technology anymore I, i only have a nintendo switch i'm like oh here you know, here's a, one of the 10,000 Chinese emulators that are out right now. And he goes, oh, is this one? I'm like, yeah, it's the best one. I mean, it's even better than the one I have. And he goes, oh, the one you have. So this is something that you want. And I was like, I mean, yeah. So my friend who I hahaven't <laughs> seen in like a year sent me fucking $80 via Zelle. And I couldn't send it back without like a fraud notification. So I bought myself like the nicest birthday present ever. And I bought a a new SD card in advance of that, even though the thing hasn't shipped yet. And you and I were about to start record. And I've never seen this where my micro SD that has all of the old slasher stuff in my adapter is shattered somehow. So if I didn't have this new thing, we wouldn't be recording tonight. How just serendipitous. Oh, yeah, luck finds a way. So that, that's that's pretty crazy that it broke. I, I mean, I've never seen an SD card break. Those things I thought were pretty indestructible. <laughs> and that's coming from someone who sticks them in a GoPro all the time. Right. I mean, I'm assuming that it was the two year old, but it might have been my wife or maybe the one month old. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that, that's fear strength. You should get them into weight training right now. If they can Dude, break an SD card, then <laughs> my fucking kid, the new one is a kettlebell. Like I could tell my wife is getting like fucking crazy strong right now. And I'm like, I just have to be on my best behavior because if she puts me in a headlock, I might not wake up. 
<laughs> well, hey, at least the kids are going to be well disciplined. They're like, I fear mom. I fear mom. Oh, dude, she is such a disciplinarian. I'm the guy who like has to be the enforcer, but like she's the one who makes the rules, which is interesting. I, I feel like this kind of like narc ass Gestapo at times. And then so I like the other day I tried to be like cool dad. And I gave my daughter like an extra jelly bean or whatever, right? And I was like, this stays. I was like, don't tell your mom. And I guess maybe she just only heard the part where I said, tell your mom. And she goes, mama, orange jelly bean. I'm like, fucking narc. And what happened? Did you get the rolling pin? No, luckily she didn't really like understand that I was trying to like con our child into loving me. So it worked out pretty well. (laughs) So with the new format of the show, my goal is that each host is going to bring their own topic and we'll just kind of converge, talk about them and then be done. You you and I have talked about how I've lamented the idea of movie reviews. You know, we'll still do them in the future. It's just the fact of why am I going to tell you beat for beat, scene for scene, shot for shot, a movie you've already seen when I can introduce you to something new and you can get some banter and have the show be more conversational instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, like a bullet pointed list. So to start us off, Doug, what is your topic for this evening? All right. Well, Halloween is right around the corner coming October. And uh, I grew up, I was born in the 90s, so 1990 to be exact. And the console that always stuck with me as a kid, and I still love it to this day, is the PlayStation 1. For me, that's my favorite console. And the thing is, like the original Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2 and 3 came out. But but the thing is, those are all great and scary games. There's one game that haunted me as a kid. And I recently found it at a used game store um, that was in uh, Laverne. So if you've ever been in Laverne, right now it's closed down. But uh, I had to relive my childhood again because I only played this game renting it from Family Video, if you remember Family Video. Oh, my gosh. It yeah, is, I do. I, yeah, yeah. And I remember playing it. I couldn't get past the second level, I think it was. It was Nightmare Creatures 2 for the PlayStation 1. Truly, it's one of those games. I don't know how it existed in this. Like, I remember vividly being at a Toys R Us. And they had, uh, you know, all the demos for PlayStation games. And it's, it's like the built-in thing and you could pick from the list. I vividly remember Nightmare Creatures being on that list. And I'm like, there was blood and monsters and stuff. And I loved it, but I was also poor. And I never I had a PlayStation 1, really. So uh, I kind of escaped me. And then I luckily, funny enough, with my handheld emulator, I've downloaded Nightmare Creatures 1 and 2. And I've been playing those. And so, again, that weird happenstance of this episode of the show, I'm totally into it. So take us away what do we need to know about it all right well nightmare creatures 2 it's only available on playstation 1 and they released a dreamcast port as well which had slightly better graphics but uh crazy thing is uh it was released at the very tail end of the playstation 1's life so right before ps2 hit um because it came out in 2000 yeah and uh and the cool thing is i remember the cover saying like oh music by rob zombie rob zombie's music's only in like the beginning cutscene. exactly but but here's the thing too like i remember back in the day too i was just uh, as a kid rob Rob Zombie was a thing with me because I always played Twisted Metal 3 and 4 and those had music with Rob Zombie and now so Rob Zombie kind of stuck with me like PlayStation 1 now when I see a PlayStation 1 Rob Zombie pops up in my head but besides that uh, so Nightmare Creatures 2 I ended up buying it and now it's it's kind of rare so if you have a copy of it hold on to it um, or you can emulate it too the, the, the issues I'm coming across it right now because uh, I still have my original PS1 I plugged it into the 4K TV via the AV course and Nightmare Creatures 2 unless you go in and fix the settings it's a very very dark game to the point you can't even see anything oh yeah yeah so but but that's what makes it creepy because here's the thing with that like the guy who did the music uh he did the music for the first game it's it's a it's a survival horror so think resident evil one meets uh the the physics of tomb raider so if you can imagine that that's that's how it is here and the the crazy thing is your only weapon in the game is a is a fucking axe so yeah, it gets a little repetitive. Yeah, I was watching some gameplay footage where I don't know if you, it sounds I don't know if it, you ever actually made it that far where like the crescendo of the game is on the Eiffel Tower. And so it's this bandaged dude who looks like Dark Man jumping around with an axe and there are these mutants that have chainsaws. It looks delightful. Oh, it is. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, too, like, this is the, that's the first game I ever played with. Because, um, like I said, it came out in 2000. So I, I was about 10 or 11 years old when that came out. And uh, I was kind of traumatized by the main character. He's all bandaged up. And then in the beginning cutscene, he's like rubbing the axe. And he's just saying, like, this. so it's basically this, this guy that's been experimented on. And uh, he, he's suicidal. So you're playing the suicidal <laughs> character that's like, I just want to die. You know? And he's running around with an axe fighting these. Uh, there's zombies. There's big demon beasts with like wings. Oh, and and there's PS1 polygonal boobies in this, so there's some she-beasts with tits. 
So you, you get that in there. What else do we have in there? Okay, so you mentioned the chainsaw guys. Now, the chainsaw guys creep me out because they imagine Goofy, a shirtless Goofy with a chainsaw. Yeah, that's and how they dro- sound. Droopy tits. Yeah. Droopy tits, yeah. So they just kind of go go around and go, and they have chainsaws, and that freaked the shit out of me as a kid. And and nowadays, too, like, like the thing is, after playing it again recently, it holds up in terms of the ambience and the atmosphere, but the gameplay's a little dated just because it's constant hack and slash. Anytime you confront an enemy, the camera kind of fixates itself, so you're in this combat stance mode. So it's uh, it's fight, block, fight, block, because you basically got to dodge and block in this game. So it's, it's, it's different from the first Nightmare Creatures, because the first number of creatures is more um, not necessarily open world, but you can kind of go where you please fighting these monsters here. So it, it's it's a different turn. It's a lot darker, but it's the first game I ever played where the uh, the, the main antagonist is a suicidal guy that just wants to die. So and he's all bandaged up. Yeah, and you gotta love it's uh, pretty heavy handed that the villain of the game is called Adam Crowley, the occultist uh, instead of Alistair. I just think of Ozzy Osbourne doing Mr. Crowley. There, well, that's what's up. I think this game would definitely be more. More my jams if it was Aussie instead of Rob Zombie, but it's a cool idea. Like licensed material, I don't think a lot of people realize this now with how often they're pandered to with like video game stuff. But like the PlayStation One changed the world. Like when Bruce Willis was in Apocalypse, that game it blew people's minds. The idea that you could actually have like real people in games and real musicians and stuff. Because up until that point, I mean Super Nintendo, like you can't take 16-bit audio and play an actual band's like if you played Rob Zombie on that it would sound like garbage yeah because the uh the the PS1 uh, had actual CD tracks yep so it has like CD CD quality audio in fact fun fact if you put a PlayStation 1 disc in a CD player skip to track 2 it'll play the the music tracks that are on there so oh that's badass I didn't know that it's cool yeah if you have Twisted Metal I I know I have Twisted Metal 3 and 4 and if you stick them in a CD player it'll play all the tracks on there so pretty cool that's rad do you remember back in the day when you'd put in like an audio disc and it would have like a video companion like I remember the offspring having one where you could watch a couple music videos and stuff but then that also stopped you from being able to burn the CD up until you had like you know the fancy CD burner what a weird time mm. to be alive because now like nobody has music CDs it's all mp3s or cloud-based right it is yeah and, and the thing is too like I even when I was younger I was never a big fan of CDs like no matter what I could be as kind as I was to him, give him a little kiss put him down and they'd still be scratched somehow <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. No matter what. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of a cassette guy. Yeah. I had a lot of, you know, the portable CD player Walkman types. I'll never forget. I got a brand new one with this awesome, like anti-shock technology. Uh, but for some reason, I didn't throw my other one away or get rid of it. Right. And so I'm walking home. It's like the first week that I have it. And some douchebag during the rain, like I had it like completely protected. I was holding my backpack like so I had the CD player in my hand, my hand in my backpack, my sweatshirt over my as I'm walking home from school, douchebag specifically veers across two lanes of traffic to hit the gutter to splash me with water and killed my brand new CD player. So from there on, I was like anything to get me away from that fucking terrible memory, dude. Uh, yeah, 90s and early 2000s were crazy times. Did you ever have a Zune? <laughs> uh, Zune? No, no, that was too rich for my blood. I remember when Zune came out, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was an excellent Microsoft thing, wasn't it? Exactly. It was fancy shit. Like it had like yeah. the best screen and everything. I got mine like secondhand through a trade and I loved that thing until it died. Even though like the Zune on media player was such garbage. Like, I, I don't know how you could be worse than iTunes. It was so terrible, but I still loved it so much. It was bright pink. (laughs) A bright pink? Okay. Well, you should have probably held on to that now. I'm sure it's worth some money for a collector on eBay. Yes, especially after they made that brief cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy now, since that came out, now I'm seeing people walk around with the Star-Lord uh, headphones now. E- they even make Bluetooth versions now. Isn't it such a weird concept? Like, the retro chic is so fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, and they weren't very good quality, but, you know. Yeah. My wife was actually telling me today that uh, the most recent American Girls, like, Legends doll or whatever is from the 80s. And so she saw, like, uh, like some mom blog that she follows, and it's like, you are a 
officially old. And I was like, fuck, we're part of history now. <laughs> You're officially old. Wow. Yeah, no, it's crazy because now, uh, in fact, I don't know if I showed you my shirt here. I'm red. wearing this red shirt. I w- and uh, you want to know where I got this? At Spirit Halloween because they like dress up like the 90s people. I'm like, so, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dressing up like a, oh, fuck, I'm getting old too. Like myself? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. They have the fanny packs and the, uh, like the uh, hot pink snapback uh headband things like that and like and, and then pogs if you remember pogs hell yeah i remember pogs my grandpa so, actually made me custom slammers because he owned a machine shop that was one of the coolest things in the world but then because i was a lonely loser nobody ever played with my pogs so that's a thing <laughs> uh, oh how depressing but hey here you are today so who's got the last laugh exactly and i still have all my slammers to myself haha <laughs> so doug did you ever play the original nightmare creatures I did. Yes. In fact, uh, crazy story. I had a Sega. Well, I didn't have a Sega Genesis, but that was mostly what I was used to uh, growing up the NES and the Sega Genesis. Um, but when we got our PlayStation for Christmas, that I had a, I have a brother and a sister. So when we got that, that they're like, this is your only gift. It's for all three of you. You guys are getting nothing. And my birthday's December 15th. And same thing with my brother and sister. They both have December birthdays. Holy shit. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, but the thing is, like, you're all you guys are getting this one PlayStation and three games and that's it. You're not getting shit else i said okay well that's fine because uh we didn't have a memory card oh i remember that uh, but the but the three games they gave us was uh in fact what, what was, was i like nine or ten when we got it uh yeah so we got rugrats search for reptar <laughs> uh yeah crash bandicoot three yeah and nightmare creatures wow so kind of a weird mix yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm like okay well this is <laughs> and then there was another game too which is kind of underrated but that's for another topic i don't know if you remember jersey devil yes i do the um, purple guy the purple guy, yeah, and you collect pumpkins. We had that too. So, uh, um, but yeah, so but nightmare creatures. We we never got really far in it. We'd get to levels, but you know when you turn the console off, we didn't have a memory card. Yep. Um, yeah, that was a luxury at the time. So yeah, people listening now, you had to used to save your game to the memory card. Yeah. You don't have it now, which is auto save. Auto save. What the fuck is that? Will you ever play <laughs> games like the Lord of the Rings game on Super Nintendo, where you had to put in a fucking ninety-digit code? password to catch where you were and it would keep your inventory and stuff because they didn't have any version of saving oh yeah i've seen uh, i've seen clips of that there that was like the beavis and butthead game for the sega genesis oh, so I gross yeah and, and then the capital letters and the lowercase letters and you'd get confused but uh but anyway so so yeah nightmare creatures we did play that as a kid and uh we were we put in the codes like there was a, there you got the gamer's guide and we put in the codes for like ultra gore so here we are like nine ten years old my brother's like six and my sister's like seven and we, we put infinite lives in there and you go around and you hit the monsters and uh, their arms are flying off their heads are flying off their legs are flying off and they're still coming after that's awesome uh, cause, yeah because there's the zombies and the werewolves in the first level and yeah you could chop them into itty bitty pieces and they still come after you so. Dude, that sounds like dead space uh, yeah a little bit like that this is but yeah way, way dates that here though yeah so. for sure yeah and it's kind of cool that your sister got representation because that game actually had like a male and female lead right yeah, yeah, Ignatius and uh, I forget the other girl's name. I think it was like Claudia or something. But the girl had the sword. The guy you play, he's like a priest and he has a a, a baton. So kind of, I, I thought it was a broomstick as a kid. So, so, well, now that we've heard all the allegations against priests, we know what it really is. Hey yo, in our in our group chat, Jim texted us tonight and was like, "Hey, have you ever played the game Can Opener or Vibrator?" And sent us a picture of his like ergonomic handle on his can opener, and it looked like a little rabbit device. And I responded, "Anything is a vibrator with the right mentality." Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, look at shower heads. Now they're shaped in dildo form. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? Jesus Christ! Every time I go to a hotel and I see one of those, and I'm like, "Oh, this is how Stella got her groove back." <laughs> well, I don't know if you've seen the new um, off topic, but the new plungers. I've seen them at Target, and I look at them. I'm like, I look at they're like clear, and they're all cylinder with like the the grooves and stuff. I'm like, ribbed for her pleasure. A, I'm like, these are fucking ribbed plungers. I know what you're doing in the bathroom. <laughs> you naughty dog. Yeah. yeah so uh really quick one thing i thought was worth mentioning nightmare creatures was announced to have a film adaptation that just never happened what do you think if you could have this game in a movie would you like it or is it just better to be this kind of weird 90s time capsule to you oh no no i i remember them mentioning something about that i i'd love to see a movie like that because here's the thing it takes place in you know the victorian era london um the second one takes place in france and i think that's like a perfect time because even the end there's an enemy in the first game uh that's like a dr jekyll mr hyde 
tried with a knife. And I thought those were really creepy. So, I mean, I'd love to have like a period piece movie with zombies, werewolves, uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and, and just monsters. And I think I think we're definitely due for something like that. Granted, I think with the period that it would have made in with the early 2000s, I'm, they probably dodged a bullet because I'm yes. not a big fan of like the early 2000s. Uh, they would have used CGI that looks horrible now. And Cough Van Helsing Cough. Yeah, I think that would be a great movie for like mid 90s, early 80s, if that were to come out, you know, with some practical effects and stuff, monsters. And, you know, you probably get the werewolves like, uh, what was that really horrible sequel to American Werewolf? The Werewolf in Paris. Oh, my God. Really? They, they look like Saiyans. They look like the giant monkey version of Saiyans from Dragon Ball Z. They are awful. Oh, yeah. It's it's like uh, Clay, or if you ever seen like Robex or like that early 90s uh, CGI animation, that's what the werewolves look like. You got to be fucking kidding Exactly. Me. Reboot, reboot. That's what it was. Or Beast Wars. It looks like Optimus Primal is trying to kill these people. Yeah, it's it's horrible. So save yourself the time and don't see that one. I, I have it on VHS and I probably have it on DVD. Yeah, I've so. seen it. I remember the guy, the, the main guy, he was in That Thing You Do and uh, Dead Man on Campus. And I liked those movies. And then I saw this and I was like, I will never follow your career ever again. Sorry, sir. <laughs> no, those werewolves are bad. But I, I'd love to see a film adaptation. So if, if anyone's listening out there is some producer in Hollywood, after this uh, Rona passes, you know, bring back Nightmare Creatures. Hell yeah. <laughs> or, you know, this is actually the perfect movie to shoot during Rona because the guy has a mask already with the bandages on his face. So you do that and then he's fighting a bunch of monsters that are going to be practical effects anyway. So it's a one man show. I think it's a tour de force for a young aspiring uh, actor such as like a, a Robert Pattinson. Who would you cast as the main character? As the main character for this? Honestly, uh, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix could be a good one. You just cover him up in bandages now. Yeah. You need someone who, I'm trying to think of someone who would be like, I want to just kill myself. I'm emo, but I must fight these monsters and live to see what happens at the end to save the world. But I still want to kill myself. What would be a good actor for that here? <laughs> you know, I'd probably go with, uh, who's the guy that's playing, um, oh, he was in, uh, he was playing Batman now. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, yeah. So I think he'd be good. I don't know why he came to mind, but I agree. <laughs> I think he'd be awesome. I like, kind of like emaciated look, haggard. He already has an accent. I mean, if you heard that British voice coming out of a character named Herbert Wallace with a trench coat, you'd be like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Of course, naturally, this is Herbert. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, can you think of any other game where you play as like a bad job crippled guy that's just ready to die? Not with this tone, but like this game was like the grown up version of like medieval and stuff like that. So lots of games like toy with darkness, but then it's a very different thing, like you said, for like there's no story at all. Like you blow up the main guy and there's a voiceover at the end where it's like, yep, she lived. It was cool. I got to keep fighting bad guys forever peace out there's like no cinematic no resolution at all it's just like this game is visceral killing monsters with chainsaws and just brutality so yeah it's a very different tonal shift like this was definitely a game changer like i wish i had played it at the time all the way through instead of just the demo i played but even just playing that demo i was like oh, this feels really different because it also felt so different than like resident evil and shit because of the hack and slash element like survival horror generally doesn't involve this level of bombastic gameplay, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you you get fatalities in this too, so I forgot to mention that. Oh yeah, with the replays. So, I saw one where the, he like gets a guy in a headlock and rips his head off. I'm like, that's so sexy. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, th this was this game was pushing the PS1 to its limits at the time, because there's a lot of times where I remember the game would slow down, and uh, it, every time you hit an enemy, there'd be like blood splatter on the wall, and it would kind of stay there. So, yeah, it was really pushing the limits on the PS1, and I wish it, I wish they saved it for PS2 so you can get those better graphics, but um, I don't know. For me, there's just something about PlayStation 1 graphics, and if the ambience and the atmosphere is creepy, it's a lot more effective because I think the, the, the rendering of the graphics, if it's a lot lower, your brain kind of puts... The, the things that are, are you don't even see just make it more creepy if that makes sense like what you don't see your mind makes up for it makes it worse than it actually is yeah and i really like that both games feature these kind of grotesque lovecraftian kind of melted monsters and tentacles and stuff 
because it's mm-hmm. it, they're not familiar forms. So it's not you know you watch you play Tomb Raider and you've seen tits, so you know that Laura Croft's tits are wrong, but you've never seen a tentacle monster, right? So when you see it, your imagination can kind of run rampant in a different way. And so I, I've always really appreciated games like Dead Space and these, where you're using something mm-hmm. where you're adding a conceptual element that's already making me use my imagination from the get-go. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. In fact, um, there's a, I don't know if you follow them at all, there's a small little gaming company called Puppet Combo, and they make games, I believe they're only on Steam right now for PC, but he he makes them after uh, PS1 games. So there's like Power Drill Massacre, Babysitter Bloodbath, um, and all these games are just so creepy, but it's modeled after PlayStation 1 graphics. And, you know, Nightmare Creatures 2 really holds that because it's so the, the sound quality in there is, is just really creepy like when you go down the halls you keep hearing that like uh, you know and the monsters with the chainsaws that sound like goofy it, it's just really creepy and I, I don't think any new game with good graphics could kind of just create that uh, that image you have in your head because you get too good of graphics now you know yeah you kind of get that opportunity to be lazy and also like I find that so often and tell me if it's true for you this game is short as fuck so like having short like really easily digestible media is so nice and appealing to me not just because i have too much stuff going on but like how are you going to be horrified in chunks right like if you could sit down mm-hmm. and have this immersive experience put on your headphones and play it i can dedicate x amount of hours to this I, it just makes so much more sense to me than when you're doing this stuff where you're you know watching something weeks and weeks and weeks you know and so many times and, and checkpoints after checkpoints it just it, it gets really difficult for me to like get hard for it over and over Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this game uh, it it was short. However, it's it's very difficult. Yeah, for <laughs> uh, sure. The thing is, you only get I think five continues throughout the entire game, and once it once you lose all your continues, anytime you die, it's game over, and you got to start back where you left off. So it's it's punishing, and I think there's only like two save points throughout each level. So it's it's a challenge. It's up there. <laughs> Jesus. So this kind of ties into my game that I wanted to talk about, which is Dedeus. In a couple minutes, we'll feature, and I actually did an interview with Yzma, who's the guy who developed and created the entire game by himself, which is hilarious to think that people could make games as a one-person show. But this game came out in 2019, and it is for the original Game Boy, the OG mm-hmm. itself. Basically, the game, you start off as this boy who's having a dream. And this creature says that you have like a debt of flesh and he's going to come back in three days and he's going to collect. And you find that other people have had this dream and everything is kind of crazy. And it's such an interesting game because he made it with a thing called GB Studio. GB Studio is a cool like program that you can use. It was made by Chris Maltby. You can find it at gbstudio.dev. And basically, it's a structure where you can make your own games. And you, there are pre-populated templates that you can use that are, you know, very Zelda or very Pokemon. So this game looks so much like Pokemon and it plays so much like Pokemon, but it is so not that. It's kind of thrilling to kind of put yourself in this kind of vulnerable position, this nostalgic position, but then go to a completely different place. And the replayability is awesome because it has 11 different endings. Mm, Wow, wow. Yeah. So, uh, Doug, did you ever play Game Boy? Oh, yes, I did play Game Boy. In fact, um, I still have mine somewhere here. I have the purple Game Boy Color. So it's it's I had but I had games like uh, Beavis and Butthead and uh, Miss Pac-Man and I had Pokemon Yellow and uh, that's worth some money now. But uh, yeah, I yeah, I did play Game Boy. Yeah, that console is probably the I don't know, arguably to me, it is the biggest innovation in gaming. It comes out in 1989, so I would have been two years old when this thing debuted. And I played mine all the way up until... And I still had, I had a Game Boy Color, you had a Game Boy Advance, but if I was playing an old Game Boy game like Battle Arena, Toshinden, or whatever, I'd be playing it on my old school Game Boy. And you know, I, I miss it, and I think it's so cool. In my research for this and stuff, I found such an awesome, thriving community of people who are modding these old Game Boys and putting in new backlit screens and doing all this stuff to have this like tactile experience because I hate touchscreen gaming. What about you? 
Oh, yeah, I don't like it at all. In fact, um, I've tried uh, playing some games on here, like that you can get Miss Pac-Man and stuff on your phone. I just can't, I can't do that. I can't move my finger around. And then uh, another one, too, I'm a big Dead by Daylight fan. I like uh, the new game Dead by Daylight. Hell, yeah. They have, yeah, they have a mobile version. I, I had to uninstall it because I can't. I can't play uh, touchscreen. It's 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 too hard. I get frustrated and uh, I run the risk of throwing my phone, and, and that's an expensive mistake. So <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I was playing Chrono Trigger, and Chrono Trigger it, it's turn based RPG, so you don't really need to be that accurate. But I was still going fucking crazy with the touchscreen, and so you know now I'm back to playing the old SNES version on my emulator. But you know I really like the fact as you always get older, you find these forms of nostalgia, and I don't know necessarily that it's just me being an old hoagie so much as what I really loved about Tadeus and the experience of it was the simplicity. You know, we had talked about that, like your imagination filling in all the extra shit, right? And so with this scenario, you're never going to scare me with the graphics on a Game Boy. It's got fucking mm-hmm. four colors, man. It's not going to work. But conceptually, yeah, you can get me. And that's one of the things that's crazy about this game. Like I remember very vividly when I was playing, I went and uh, talked to the neighbor girl. And when she talks about having the same dream that you did, I was like, oh, shit, that's interesting. And it just completely like hooked me. And I have felt this kind of like lurching and foreboding feeling off of a screen that's you know two inches by two inches. It's ridiculous. Huh. I'll have to play this now. I'm curious to play it here. And now, do they make it like on Etsy where they make their own cartridge or is it only like an emulation download? So that's one of the things. Right now, it's currently just an emulation in a ROM. You can get that. I'm also, for our Slashers listeners, it's another fucking giveaway time because there's a premium version, which is behind a paywall, which comes with a bunch of the development stuff and the kit and it shows a bunch of graphics and everything. And I want to give that out to people who will use it. So to enter to win this contest, all you have to do is just post a picture on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on I frankly don't give a fuck. Just post about it somewhere and just post about your favorite original Game Boy game. And if you're young and like Doug and you didn't have an original Game Boy, I'll take Game Boy Color. I'll take Game Boy Advance, but it has to be Game Boy. And if you want to be progressive, it could be Game Girl or Game Other. But you know what I'm talking about. Just tag slashers and tag at iz.ma. And boom, you enter to win and I'll give it to you. I'll even teach you how to put the fucking emulator on your phone, your computer, because that's one of the things you'll hear in the interview later. When I talk to the developer, we're sitting there and he's seen people hack old PlayStation portables to be able to play this on it. You know, I have a Chinese handheld that I got that can play all these things. And I'm playing this made up game by some guy who lives in England. Like it's a crazy idea. So I'll I'll even do your fucking tutorial to walk you through it. But right now, presently, just to rom he's working on getting it produced and packaged and everything uh, he's actually been in communications with the guy who did dragonborn i don't know if you've heard about that but that's also a recent game boy game that actually had a release on cartridge hmm. okay I, I haven't played that before yet but uh, yeah my, my, my game boy knowledge isn't to uh draft like in terms of like the games and stuff but that's why we're doing this because i'm learning something new isn't that fun and that's always what i wanted to do with this show is have the opportunity to be able to introduce not only our audience to new media but give us a an excuse to like do the research and like immerse yourself in something new because the fact of picking out like fuck man with Halloween coming up it's like do I finally fucking buckle down and do the Michael Myers stuff like the metadata is there and I know people will listen and it'll probably build our listenership but fucking everybody's done that or do I just do the shit I want to do because this is never going to be my career it's just going to be my passion and that's definitely the lane I'm in now and the lane I want to be in and I'm very grateful to have you on my pilot adventure well thank you very much I'm very honored to be part of the pilot adventure and I really like what you said too because everyone and their fucking mother right now is doing how many times can you hear stories about Halloween 4 you know what I mean it's it's like enough already (laughs) yeah I I love everybody with the hot take of like oh Halloween 3 is not so bad I'm like yep I remember saying that to people who didn't even know there was a Halloween three, you know, like I, mm-hmm. and, I and it's not to be like a trendy, like, you know, my hipster glasses or whatever. The point is, is just like, it's these tired takes and it, it gets very regurgitated and it, it, it's no fault of their own. You know, the fact is to this person that might be a hot take, but to me, I've listened to fucking 50 podcasts about Halloween and Michael Myers, and I've never fucking once listened to a podcast about a Game Boy game that came out in 2009. 19 that rips hard 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is my first time hearing about it too. So, like I said, once once they get the uh, cartridge out there, it would be cool to just have a, like a collector's item there because um, I, I bought my fair share of Etsy items because I have an NES uh, the the uh, the one that you can put cartridges in. Hell yeah! And there's this guy, yeah, there's this guy on Etsy that sells uh, it's like green, red, and blue cartridges. They have like 500, 600 games on there. Nice. And uh, yeah, a lot of the rare stuff. So you get your Nightmare on Elm Street. You get uh, Gremlins too. I remember that was a good NES game. Beetlejuice, um, so so a bunch of you know good games on there that are hard to get, but uh, yeah, so this is a first for me for the Game Boy. Yeah, and I actually found so after I bought my emulator because I I put everything on with just SD cards. They actually have like a really thriving community for cartridges where you actually it's just an SD card adapter, so you still get all that tactile element, but you can have like a thousand games. Like imagine a hundred and twenty eight gigs of Game Boy games that are like five kilobytes. Like that's just, it's crazy. You'll never use it all, but that's like half the fun of it, right? Yeah, and and there's some great hidden gems too. Like I said, with the with the Game Boy, they um well, besides Pokemon and all that, uh, I remember there was games like there was an Odd World game that was actually pretty yeah, decent. Dude. Uh, I remember I used to have that one, uh, Odd World Adventures. That's what it was called. It was for the Game Boy, and I remember that being really good. Did you ever play Kid Dracula? No, I did not play Kid Dracula. Sounds good, though. Dude, <laughs> it is so up your alley. It's ridiculous. Imagine like cutesy Super Mario World, but you're a little vampire who throws fireballs, has fucking Super Saiyan hair, can turn into a bat. You fight Jason Voorhees at one point. It is so fucking rad i love that game i highly highly recommend it since we're on the topic of fucking game boy games i'm just looking at some of the ones that i have i i have to recommend avenging spirit is awesome Uh, in the vein of like horror stuff we also have gargoyles quest i highly recommend just have some fun and one if you're into sci-fi i'm really keen on this have you ever heard of x i have not heard of x Do explain. So X is not just a punk band from L.A. X is also a game developed by the people who would go on to do Star Fox. It is basically proto Star Fox on a Game Boy. Like how fucking crazy like that they could get this kind of output off of that kind of hardware is so rad. Highly recommend it. It doesn't play well, but just the fact that it exists gets me so hard dug. Ah, well, hey, hard on spring come all over the place. I got to what, what's the price on that on eBay if, if for like a hard copy? Hmm, I'm curious s- to see what that price is because Game Boy games uh, tend to be pretty expensive. Original with case with box and instruction manuals, $50 with $20 shipping. And that's just your starting oh, bit. Wow. Oof. Well, see all you viewers out there or listeners, uh, hold on to your stuff. A lot of people just trade the stuff or they give it away at garage sales and things. And you don't realize the value of the collectors, you know, they're uh, especially now with nostalgia nostalgia is a big thing it could really help you out uh, you know when you're low on money save it up and uh, cash it out later so everyone's got stimulus checks now or or unemployment so yeah, right i know yeah so it's like they're gonna spend it somewhere you know when you're really desperate do you know sell it but hold on to most of your stuff i got so much shit like uh i still have vhs and laserdisc um nes cartridges sega genesis um and then i don't know if you remember ceds hell yeah CED, i have a few of those cds yeah they're like vinyls but they play movies so just hold on to what you have you never know when it'll, you'll need it and you can sell it <laughs> it's so interesting to me because this kind of goes back to our earlier point about your show you know on b movie tv and Tubi and these things like i i so much enjoy the process of unearthing something old than finding something new because like dude i get people who ask me like oh did you see this thing on netflix did you see this thing on hulu did you see this thing on shutter i'm like fuck man i just assume i haven't like i just don't have the fucking time to sit there like my buddy was like oh well did you watch umbrella academy and i was like no and he's like well when are you gonna watch umbrella academy and then my dad was like, did you watch the Australian show Monkey King? And I'm like, dude, when the fuck do I have the time? <laughs> but meanwhile, I'll like sit and make time to watch Grizzly on Tubi. Um, and then, dude, Grizzly 2, it's all I have to say. Google it. So excited. <laughs> Grizzly 2, okay. I uh, I know the first one here. But we'll see, here's the thing about that. So you, you brought up an interesting topic, um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate with it. So uh, Netflix and Hulu, when you're watching these shows, it's an investor because each episode is, what, an hour? And there's 12 or 13 episodes. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, uh, gri- and you, you know what I mean? you got to pay attention because one episode will lead to the other. And, and you know, you can't turn your brain off. When you're at work all day and you want to come home and relax, why not throw on Grizzly? It's an hour and a half. It, it's, it's there to 
relax the brain and, and that's that's it's one movie and that's it yeah i love you know, self-contained content like i the idea of stringing week to week dude i i can't do it it just makes me mad and i'll never i'll never let brian live this down because when i started law school you know season one of game of thrones was there so i watched all of season one all in like a weekend when i wasn't in you know actually having to brief cases and all that bullshit and then season two came out and I wasn't watching. I wasn't going to follow anything week to week. And I was like, I, I decided I'm not going to watch until I can watch it all at the end. And it's self-contained. And he always busted my chops every fucking time he would leave my house or we'd be hanging out and he'd want to go watch it. He'd always bust my chops. And I get the last laugh because everybody hates that last season. And I never had to waste my time. The amount of time he spent watching Game of Thrones, I probably watched like 80 horror movies that sucked, but were still self-contained and fun and gratifying in their own mm -hmm. way for that whole like bullshit Jake's horror movie merit badge system. <laughs> well, yeah, you got more bragging rights because now you can kind of see things randomly. Like, oh, I know what movie this is. If it ever popped up randomly. Right. That's but, Robo Vampire, um, obviously. <laughs> well and see the thing is too it's like how many other people are watching game of thrones everyone's got an opinion on it everyone's seen it before you're seeing stuff that you know maybe less than half of the population has seen and you know what i mean it's, it's just uh it's a good feeling it's like I, you don't feel like a sheep if that makes sense yeah and also like the treasure hunter element of it like maybe i watched indiana jones too many times as a kid but like i love the idea of me in this like cobweb infested dusty musky tomb finding some weird VHS tape of some movie I've never heard of and becoming obsessed with it, then just moving on to the next thing. Cause I don't have to worry about like the continuity of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which I, I just watched the movie spider labyrinth. It's an Italian movie. Um, have you seen spider labyrinth? Uh, no, but I have a feeling I'm going to add it to my fucking list. 1988. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, what is um, this it, horrifying little creature? This is fucking crazy. <laughs> it's a demon that comes out and he has like his neck comes out like the thing, but he has like these centipede legs. And uh, it's this screaming. It's a screaming baby doll that turns into a spider. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, man, wh where the fuck? And you can't stream it anywhere right now. So it's only on like a Shriek Show DVD. If you remember Shriek Show. So, wow, I and, need uh, to find yeah, this. It's crazy. It's great if you can find it. I know the VHS is a little hard to find, but um, yeah, that, that's kind of. But see, that's an example. It's not streaming anywhere right now. I'm sure you can watch it on YouTube. I'm curious to see if it's on YouTube right now. I have the old Street Show DVD. There's like 50 reviews of it, but I'm not saying the movie itself. But I'll find it, dude. You've given uh. me a new quest. Remember, my my old quest was finding Mr. Vampire, which we did a whole screening. Uh, spoiler alert. Or, I don't know if I'm legally allowed to say that we did a screening with our Patreon patrons and everything, because I don't know if I distributed that legally, but it was fun as shit, and I'm hoping we can do that again sometime. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be fun. I'd love to join in on that, too. Hell <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think you're legally fine here. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so if you go to YouTube under the username Videodrone, Spider Labyrinth is there. It's subtitled in English. Oh, so sexy. So you can watch the full movie there. This but is yeah, why this show great. exists, gang, because we want to find and share new media and explore. This is so rad. Yeah, watch it. It's crazy. Like the creature effects in there. And it, it's like uh, it's like the stop motion dog animation from Ghostbusters. If you like that dog style animation, uh, then you'll like Spider Labyrinth. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so into this. Thank you very much. Now, at this point, what we're going to do, we're going to cut. I'm going to show you our my interview with Yzma, the creator of Dedeus, and we'll touch back with you before we let you go for the day. One, two, three, four. This is an interview on Slashers. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time is my new best friend in the whole wide world, Adam. Adam, why don't you say hello to the mutant goons from beyond? <laughs> hey, uh, hey to everyone listening. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know, Adam developed the most badass Game Boy game in 2019, which I found yesterday, and I frantically messaged him and begged and groveled for him to come onto the show and talk to me, and he was very accommodating with his time. So Let's all give him a polite round of applause. Yay. You're kind, man. So can you pronounce the name of the game for me? Because I'm still very afraid I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> it's uh, Dedeus. Perfect. And it's spelled D-E-A-D-E-U-S, right? That's it. Yeah. I've heard every pronunciation under the sun. And I, it always it always makes you laugh. It's what I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, like as a Californian, I, I'm just proud of myself for not being like, it's Dudeus. <laughs> My favorite one will always be Daddy Ass. <laughs> Daddy Ass. Yes. <laughs> that is an electric complex waiting to happen. You hear it all, man. <laughs> so what inspired you in 2019 to make a game for a console that hasn't had a new game since, I think, Alien 3 was the last one? <laughs> 
So I, I used to work in games in America, and uh, I always wanted to develop my own stuff. Uh, and I sort of had been on the side a little bit, but me and a, a good friend of mine, Christian, had this idea to, we figured a Game Boy game was like the most condensed version of a game you could make, right? Yeah. You, you had the limit on the colors, limit on the size of everything. You had these hard limits that forced you to, to really cut as much of it out as you could and just make a game. And that was kind of really important to me. And I started to make this platformer. Uh, and I was like really excited about it, really into it. And and I planned it all out and it just wasn't quite getting there. Yeah. And uh, that that was tough. I, I built like prototypes of that. Uh, and I'm still planning on coming back to it, but it wasn't clicking. And then as we were working on that, uh, this guy in London called Chris Maltby mm-hmm. had come out with a, an engine called Game Boy Studio, which was a brand new engine. And the, the benefit of that was anything you built in it would... Uh, the output would be a Game Boy ROM directly, yeah. uh, a ROM you could actually play on the original hardware. And it was like, oh man. Uh, at the time, it, we we caught it just as it pretty much came out, I think. And it was like, maybe no one had made anything for it. So a few of my friends in America were like, we've we got to do a game jam on this thing. See what we can make with this thing. Yeah. We all split off to make our own thing. And it was, uh, we were going to just take two weeks and see what we could make. And a platformer wouldn't have worked. So the game I, wasn't, I was working on wasn't quite going to work on what the engine was at the time. It yeah. was like top down Pokemon style games. But now with GB Studio 2, it's kind of doing that, but at least yeah, the one you were using. It. Exactly. Yeah, they've opened it up now, which is cool. So I had this story that I was trying to tell desperately for ages. Like I had done like comic stuff and what they call it, Inktober's, I'd drawn stuff for it. And I, yeah. I've been playing around with it. It's like, I think I've found stuff from like 10 years back. Wow. And I, I thought, why not shave off the smallest piece of this, like a side story and make it about that? Because the nature of the, the engine was like an RPG kind of thing, like a, yeah. a narrative story. So I took off of our game jam and I started putting together that game. And uh, I didn't hit the, the jam deadline, which seems to be a trend with me. Yeah. But I had done uh, enough work and I could I could build the game onto my phone. Like I had, you know, uh, I think it's my boy, the emulator on uh, Android. Yeah. So I was exporting my builds onto my phone and taking it to work and people were playing it. And it, it felt like it was too much of a thing to just say the jam's over, I'm not doing it. Exactly. So I took another two weeks. It was developed in a month, I think. That blows my mind, dude. It just, it, it all came together. And it, it looking back on it, I mean, I, I barely slept making it. And I was working full full days at my job as well. So I just came home and I'd, I'd work on it. But like, it's almost like I can't remember the time. <laughs> you know, it just, it just happened. Such a frenetic blur of everything. Yeah, it, it was so much fun to just do it. And I think the limitations of what you kind of can't get away with on it, like on, on a Game Boy, it was difficult in places, but in the end, it really helped hammer that into what it ended up being. And uh, I had made games in the past, like programmed little things, never a full begin to end narrative story. It was always like little arcadey ideas. Yeah. But uh, it was the um, the first time I'd finished the narrative begin to end game with like credits as a story. And uh, seeing people react to that was like huge. Like, yeah. I, I hadn't ever experienced anything like that. Like, I think I came home, like, I think it was the, the day or two after I released it. And there was like a playthrough on YouTube. Yeah. And like, I didn't even, I didn't even think that was a thing. I, I was going to be a thing, you know? And what's fun, go Going back to our earlier talking point, it seems that every playthrough I've seen on YouTube, somebody pronounces the name differently, which is awesome. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. My favorite thing about that, I always, I always kind of wanted to, to write stuff and I never thought I was, I have never been a writer. I never thought I was good enough to be a writer. Are you kidding this me? Game, well, this game is like all writing, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's amazing. Seeing people react to that strongly kind of was the most important thing to me to come out of it because i was like oh man maybe that is something i can do <laughs> um yeah dude but there was a guy who played it entirely in spanish uh, i think his name was sailor satan and it was awesome his audience was all spanish he was speaking entirely in spanish the game isn't localized in spanish so he could obviously read english Very but cool. he was he was responding to story beats like exactly how i planned to in a language that wasn't my own language it was just like that was one of the coolest things to see and like that kind of passion right like because i've done things where it's like it's of course the flippant thing where you're like nobody gives a shit this is kind of my passion thing and that's where people like resonate and it's so cool to see somebody seek out your content that isn't convenient right yeah that was the craziest thing to me what i love is that you start off on a platformer which you know in indie gaming is kind of like well-worn territory at this point you have games like super meat boy and stuff and a lot of it's just this like grind heavy torturous you know you just keep bashing your head against a wall 
And this game is just not that. It is yeah. this just sublime pace. It's got a great, you know, structure in terms of time commitment. And to your point, which I think is amazing, it's easy to play on a handheld that's like a phone. Because I hate touch screens for any kind of gaming. And yeah. I, like so much so we were talking about, I have several emulators. And I put this on my phone and it played at a great pace. It was smooth. The sound was great. And I was like, this, this just feels different. Uh, I, that's, a, that's another thing that kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting it at all, but I it really, I wish I did a better job of um, collecting this stuff. But people seem to have played it on every different thing they can run it on. And right. I keep getting different pictures. One person put it on a, a Super Game Boy and played it through a CRT. I saw I that. Like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't even think about that. And it looks it looks really cool with like that super lo-fi, yeah. fuzzy looking monitor. People are playing on their Wii U's, uh, like say their phone, I, someone's doing a 3DS. A friend of mine tested it on his Vita, and I it, it makes so much sense that you can emulate this stuff anywhere. But yeah. I never even thought about that. It was not a part of my mind at all. Yeah, uh, I saw a PSP hack that was playing it. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's it's gone so funny now to me. Like me and the friends who initially were going to build Game Boy games uh, were way into the Game Boy, obviously, and uh, he's super into the modding scene. And we look on uh, Reddit at uh, modded Game Boys every now and then. And uh, I think three times in the past sort of month, they've been using my game as the example that their, their mods work. And I, yeah. uh, I never even expected that. It, it was such a surprise. I was like, oh, I just want to buy a Game Boy. And it was my stuff there. So that was crazy. And so what influenced you in terms of the content itself? Because obviously, like you said, it, the format, it looks very much like Pokemon. And the last game you were working on, I saw on your Instagram, looked more Castlevania. And so yeah. in terms of the visual themes and story themes, what were some of your inspirations? The biggest ones are the Game Boy are huge ones. Obviously, like some people pointed out, like Link to the Past and Pokemon are yep. like obviously huge games for me. But uh, in terms of the, how the game works... I sometimes feel bad, but it's like so much Majora's Mask. I okay, yeah, I didn't want to. Uh, the point wasn't like time in the same way as Majora's Mask works because you can miss certain windows on that game. Yeah, but I like the idea of this like hard countdown. So that was kind of an inspiration and kind of not at the same time. But it is pretty heavy in it, I suppose. You know, like Lovecraftian horror stuff in a lot of the story. Yep, I actually use that adjective in discussing it with my wife. I was like, the, that opening image is so ethereal and cosmic horror. I love it. Yeah. I, I like in horror the the kind of um, like oppression. There's like a heavy weight in the air, and it doesn't always have to be like a visual thing, but you can just feel something bad is coming. And like that's something I, I definitely wanted to try and carry into it. Well, that's one of the things that's great about choosing to do the Game Boy is you can't rely on graphics. You can't rely on stereo sound necessarily. You have a very limited focus. I mean, in terms of pixels on a screen, but also in terms of just the environment you can create. So that's what's. A, I'm so shocked that you didn't think yourself to be a writer because all <laughs> this is, all the drama, all the tension is your story, which is rad. Uh, yeah, I really liked... Um there's little bits in it I'm super proud of. I don't want to talk about, uh, too much for fear of spoilers, but like the relationships between people, I, I think in a lot of horror stuff that I like, movies and such, my favorite kind of horror is the horror from people and interactions between people. So yeah. like Hereditary and the family and uh, funny games and yeah. the invaded family, like that uncomfort is something I try to carry in it. And like some of these uh, people in the game are related to each other or some actions you take, you haven't really taken into account everyone else around you before you start doing things. And there's things in there that tie into that that I tried to, to relate it to. I tried to explain that once in a, a written interview and it sounded so douchey and pretentious. <laughs> but it was like, I like I like the idea that like there's certain that there's uh, a lot of different endings in the game, but certain ones are impacted by how you behave to certain people, and like that was kind of important to me as well. I totally get that. Yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying as far as coming across as kind of pretentious because it's hard to equivocate without sounding almost condescending to other media, right? Because basically, yeah. it's like I don't care what the scale of your horror is it, on a base yeah. level. What will affect me, and that's one of the things that makes you know Ari Aster films and stuff so impactful is it's that visceral nature where i mean it looks like you're a fan of the movie the void as well right oh yeah huge i love that film that film's like you look at that budget and sure it's a little derivative of the thing and some other stuff but yeah, yeah. when you look at what they did it's just all reduced to brass tacks nobody gives a fuck how many millions of dollars you have or how much green screen you have this is what we're dealing with and it's like that movie is just like a testament to like ingenuity to me and that's yeah, kind of like yeah. what your game is so when i was scrolling through your instagram which uh, also shameless plug at iz.ma you <laughs> know <laughs> it was fun to find yeah i'm a, a huge fan of horror films like that like you know mandy and the boyd and these yeah. like 
it's so they're so different to what so many other things are like that whole like sort of last yeah i don't want to give away too much for anyone who hasn't seen it but the, the last act of the void where like a lot of it is just light and dark and strange yep. places and like i love that sort of stuff a lot of it's what yeah. you don't see that makes it important which almost yeah, sounds like yeah. the way that like douchey people would describe <laughs> jazz it's the notes they're not but like it lets your imagination fill in the blank because like honestly cgi is getting great but i still not to toot my own horn think that my imagination is a little bit better and so yeah. movies like that or games like yours where i'm putting myself in the role of this character like just, like i remember when i first started it i booted up and so everybody knows the story starts off with a dream you wake up and there are certain people you can interact with where you start to see symmetry in their story and yours and just the idea of like going across the street and seeing my best friend and being like what's up and they're like hey eerie thing uh, that like was a very nice story cue where it, that was something that for some reason like I'd never knew would kind of creep me out but the idea yeah. of like actually experiencing it was fun yeah it, it came together a lot better than I thought it would and it was like so much fun I remember I went out for a meal with a, a game designer like a legit sort of 10 plus year industry game designer and I was like kind of frantic over my beer being like yeah it's gonna go like this and here's my plan and I showed him like the demos I had and they were like yeah that doesn't sound like it's gonna work oh no <laughs> like, like oh Oh, maybe not. And I was like so invested in it. I was like, I got to try anyway. And they weren't, they weren't mean about it, but uh, I'd say more realistic. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I, I stuck, I stuck through it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the hard things. It's such an intangible. Cause like I had found, I think it's Dragonborn. And I thought that was such a novelty yeah. to see a Game Boy game in 2020, but that yeah. game's not really my style necessarily. And so I just kept kind of looking at homebrew stuff and that's how I found yours. And just yeah. like, I understand how to a casual person, they're like, why would you do that? Like, it's just so bizarre. Yeah. And so, especially somebody with hands-on experience in that way but that's yeah. one of the beautiful parts about the internet is that you'll find your audience kind of copacetically right well i think that's it right like there's something out there for everyone i i, I always hear that argument like there's no good music anymore and it's like if you if you're saying that you're not looking because there's yeah. more music than there's ever been and it's the same with movies and games and anything you could ever want so i i agree with that 100 and i mean just in an affordable scale too like look at tubi yeah. for instance it's free free and yeah. you can find all these things that were basically lost to time and now like yeah. kind of uh, you know tangentially related but like there's a movie grizzly that's on tubi and now grizzly 2 is being released after almost 40 years of having been unreleased they're finding their audience and that's what's cool with your yeah, game yeah. like you said people are hacking playstation portables which is an mm -hmm. antiquated system to jailbreak it and put your game on there so they can take this yeah. with them and have tangible media like it's kind of feel like yeah. like your progeny is going off and growing up and taking over the world right <laughs> It's so strange. I, I am so grateful to everyone who shows me what they do, but it's so strange to me. Like, <laughs> I, I'm happy you brought up uh, Dragonborn and the the spaceport guys. Uh, I, th I think it's one guy. Me and him talk every now and then. Yeah. He, I, in my opinion, is like a step ahead, a few steps ahead of me with his physical release. I, uh, I really want to do it. Me and him talk every now and then about setting that up for me. Yeah. And I think that might be a next step for me is a uh, physical release. I think that'd be really cool, especially yeah. horror fans. It's a special, it's like a special and unique breed of person who wants that media. Like I know so many people who are like, oh yeah, I know that I could find this movie online for free, but I need the VHS, yeah. the DVD, the laser disc and the Blu-ray. Dude, I, I, I get like that sometimes. Like, Turbo Kid's my favorite movie and I got the VHS and stuff. Like, I love that film. Turbo Kid rips so fucking hard. I love, like, I remember I found it and then I found the short that it was based on and I basically yeah, yeah. peddled that out like I was going to make money off of it somehow because I was so into that, it. That team is so cool. RKSS, the, the three developers that made it. Uh, awesome. Are you a fan of Kung Fury? Yes, uh, that film's great as well. I love that sort of, I think it all falls into like a, a kind of group of movies that, that super like lo-fi what people want to exist they just made it yeah kind of and I that's it. one of the cool things is like you don't need the best effects you need the story behind it you need the ingenuity behind it because i mean yeah. frankly kung fury looks fake as fuck but i don't yeah. need it to look real i need it to express something where i've never seen a guy run on a barrel rolling car through the air to shoot people and then kick them <laughs> Right? Like, I love that. I think it was in the trailer, but the uh, the skateboard car flip. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. And so let me that ask film. you, what inspired you to do eleven different endings for the game? Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, that that was that ended up being a bit of a nightmare to get right, but it was kind of <sighs> the kind of game it is by admission isn't too hard to make there had to be something that was worth doing for it you know like and i wanted it to be this thing where 
you could do whatever you wanted. There's, there's I, I 100% understand why this this happens, but there are so many games out there where you can do whatever you want, but it all comes back to either the same ending or two choices at the end, no matter which way you yeah. go. And like I say, I, I've been through the machine on this. I know why that happens because this is a nightmare. If this game was any bigger, it probably wouldn't have happened for what it did. Gotcha. It was important to me that there was no guiding hand. There are some clues as to what maybe they should do. And also there are some tricks of like making someone do something, but it might not was it might not have been the right thing to do. Yeah. And I wanted it to be completely fluid and people could go whichever way they wanted and something would happen. I, uh, this is a spoiler for one of them, but it's the easiest one to get and some people would try it. But like I, I got people be like, well, I'll, I'll just go to bed. I won't do anything. And I'll, it was important to me that they could do that because another one is you could just leave and everyone's like, like Resident Evil is my favorite game ever. And they're like, why don't they just leave the house? And <laughs> I was like, well, make it so they can leave. You know, I... Because I, I, then there's no story, right? Well, I put that in and it became like a bit of a mixed thing. Uh, I watched it on Twitch streams. People just left and they were upset that they could. <laughs> and uh, so, some people get upset that they can't just leave because it doesn't make sense narratively. So it was important to me to put it in. Yeah. And then some people were uh, as upset that it is in there as the people who were upset that it wouldn't be. So that was a bit of a mixing. But uh, it was important to me that people could do whichever path they wanted and get something out of it. That's awesome. And so yeah. it, what I was going all the way back, sorry, Lavender Town. Obviously, the game yeah. looks like Pokemon. Was that an inspiration? Because what's weird, Lavender Town is my favorite part of Pokemon. I never really became the hugest fan, but I love that kind of eerie yeah. thing. But I like that it didn't sound like that was your initial inspiration. Was that almost like just happenstance, the similarity? Uh, it, it kind of is. Yeah. I think I mentioned in, in, in one talk I did about this, but like I think it's more inspired by kind of um, creepypastas and, and Pokemon. Before the binaural tones one? Black. Yeah, yep. yeah. Was it they, they called it like Pokemon Black as well before there was an actual Pokemon Black? It yeah. was just like with the label missing. I used to love Pokemon a lot, and I missed it for like I think three or four generations. And I've only just started looking back into that because I mean those games were always great. It's just like they're such time sinks. But no, I I wouldn't say an explicit taking from it, but I can totally see the it, it's like almost like a direct parallel, you know. Not to be overly punny about like the ghost town, but is it a spiritual successor? Boom. <laughs> Boom. Sorry, that was Nailed a formation. <laughs> I legitimately feel kind of terrible making that joke. You, you got to do it, man. Yeah, yeah. It. That's what pays the bills, right? <laughs> now, you said you were working on another game, uh, the PS1 game. Do you want to talk a little bit about that before we let our fans go? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I feel a little bit bad. That, like I say, I missed the deadline, but I also missed the deadline with the day. So it's it's still coming. I, I recently lost my job and I'm you know getting back into everything there. So that has knocked onto my time. Gotcha getting back into everything but uh it's a shooter puzzler game uh, based on games like doom silent hill and a game in the uk is called karushi but for you guys it's called intelligent cube okay where it was like blocks coming towards the player i love that game because it I, I would uh i would tell everyone who hasn't heard that game to give it a go at least do the first level because gotcha. it's this oppressive atmosphere but it's a puzzle game it's it's almost expressly a puzzle game but it's like super creepy and i love it uh yeah so the way i would look at it i said uh, to my friend it was thrill kill uh, meets portal is the simplest way i could say it. like obviously not the thrill kill in the way it plays but just that kind of like yeah. gritty aesthetic and I don't know. I really, it, it looks promising already. Yeah. The, the, the game? Yes. Yours. Sorry. People responding to it has been kind of cool. I, I'm not actually a, a 3D guy much either as well. This will be my first product I've ever made in 3D for myself. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's been a ton of fun to work it all out. I'm kind of like learning as I go. And it's been, um, it's been awesome for it because like, like I know exactly how this game is going to work and then it's just it's like knowing the beginning and the end and just working out the middle pieces like and, a detective uh, story kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's been a ton of fun the 3D art has been especially rewarding the game itself was an old 2D prototype that I made years ago in pixel art oh interesting and, uh, in my head, the game looked like it does now in 3D, but I was trying to convey that in pixel art and it was just never going to be the same. But now seeing it in 3D, it's like I should have always done that. I should have always had planned it this way. So that was kind of rewarding to see it slowly come together. The kind of game I want it to end up being, have you ever played Devil Daggers? No, I haven't. I wholeheartedly recommend you give that a look today because uh, I think it's like five bucks. But it's a game you can't finish. It's like a short horror, kind of like a wave shooter kind of thing. But it's um, it's like pretty hor horror styled. 
it's quite heavily inspired by that as well, where I want it to be like, the whole thing about Devil Daggers is time and comparing time with other players. And uh, I want this to be like, kind of see how long you can survive kind of game. Very cool. I love yeah. games where it's inevitable that you can't win because it's a kind of a parable for life because it's like, there's no winning at life. There's just, the only way that oh, well, you win you is do. a comparative <laughs> analysis. There's no like benchmark, right? That's exactly what this is going to be. Hell yeah. So can yeah. you let our fans know where they can find you and more importantly, support you monetarily? So I go by Isma online everywhere. Usually characterized as like hyphen IZMA hyphen. And you can find my my website. My itch.io is where I, I sell my previous game. You can download that for free, but there's a $5 special edition that comes with a bunch of art, including some of the current work for the sequel, which will be coming. And then on Instagram, iz.ma. Perfect. And Slasher's Podcast is happily buying one of the premium copies to support. And we'll be doing a giveaway with that. So stay tuned and you can find out how to enter and win. Cool. Awesome. This is awesome, man. I'm really happy to do it. I saw that you like, you're like you a fan of Pilaf as well from Dragon Ball. So I oh, had yeah, to yeah. support you because he's been <laughs> unjustly maligned through shows like Balling Out Super, uh, where he's been treated like some dawdling child when in truth, he is the emperor of my soul and hopefully yours as well. <laughs> I, I'll have to do some more drawings, man. It's been a while. It's been too long since I did it. So I'll have to do more for him. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for making yourself available. And I look forward to talking to you and supporting you in future releases. Cool. Thank you very much. This was awesome. So, Doug, uh, I am feeling very reinvigorated and just fucking happy about this show. I really hope people like this new format because I'm very committed to it at this point. I'm very excited at the prospect of being able to be more exploratory. And I really hope that you'll continue to join me because you are a wealth of information and you're just a fun, nice fucking guy. And I like having you around. Oh, thanks so much, Jake. Yeah, like I said, I'd love to come on. I'd love to be a regular on here, too, because, I mean, I've got, uh, I don't like to call myself a hoarder, but I do have a lot of, like, collectibles and stuff that I've had since uh, since I was a kid. Um, and just a bunch of obscure movies, obscure games, just collectible things like that. And there's a lot of, there's like a treasure trove of stuff out there, whether it be video games, movies, uh, music. And I'd love to share it with you because, you know, that's just kind of sitting here. It's not really doing me any good unless you have like a little museum or something. But uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but man. It's great to just talk because maybe someone else has the same thing. Like, oh, my God, someone else is talking about that, too. I thought I was the only fucking person on this planet that knew that. Isn't so. that crazy? Because that's so much of like the horror experience of like feeling so isolated. And then when you find that person, like, you know, I've met people who I probably would hate in a philosophical debate. But because they knew what I was talking about when I was bringing bringing up some obscure horror film or when I reference specifically the baby from dead alive, the zombie ripping the face in twain. And we're just like friends instantaneously. I think that's such a cool thing to be able to have that like shared experience. Also, I think one day when the pandemic is over, you and I need to go to Frankenstein's together because I can imagine us having a fuck ton of fun just diving for antiquities there. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'd love to. I love Frankenstein's. I know they're open Wednesday and Saturdays. I think Wednesday and Saturdays now. But yeah, no, dude, let me know when you're there and I'll, I'll jump there faster than a 18 year old nun that just realized uh, what sex is. <laughs> yeah, dude, let that freak flag fly. Well, Doug, I'm not going to make you have a sign off since we have a new format of the show. I'm not going to do my old sign off. I really have never liked it that much. I just continued it for the continuity. So for the Slashers gang, my name is Jake. Goodbye and good die. There we go. Oh, do a mouth fart. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the Taco Bell enema. <laughs>